Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Nate. And I am Mike. What are we smoking today, Nate? We are smoking a Partagas Black Label, although the label has changed, as Mike informed me. Yes, yes, it has. It is used to be a very simple wrapper or label and just said Black Label right on the bottom. Um, and this new one is very fancy, a very large oh, it's fancy. red and gold and black uh, yeah. label. And the, and the gold is like embossed, so it's actually like raised up. Yes, very uh, fancy label. Yeah, uh, eighteen uh, since 1845, it says uh, on that. Yeah, so we'll find out. We'll find out if it's the same old cigar I remember, but uh, they're good. Which I remember them being good. <laughs> well, very good airflow. First few puffs, very tasty. I do believe it's darker than the last two that we smoked. Uh, visibly, significantly darker than the Macanudo. Um, this is a black cigar. Not, I mean, not like black, like the modern color black, but. But uh, speaking of dark, are we going to talk Animal Farm this episode? We are. We are. Like, I remembered, uh, I know when we initially talked about reading it, uh, we both kind of remembered, you know, like the last couple sentences or paragraphs. Uh, But reading it again, all I have to say is like, Jesus Christ, dude. You might not know the history. I don't know the history as like a professor or anything, but the history of the Russian Revolution is mimicked largely by the story of Animal Farm. Okay. Where you have, uh, you know, Lenin as a character, uh, and then you have Marx, you know, it's old major is Marx. Yeah. And then uh, you have... Uh, Lenin and Trotsky as uh, Napoleon okay. and Snowball. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Stalin doesn't really play that much of a role uh, because that came later. The, the book was published right, at, uh, right as the end of World War II was coming yeah. to a close, so to speak. Well, and it's funny because I always kind of remember it as being a book about communism, kind of. Yes. And, but reading it again, it really, well, you know, we talked in between episodes, as we do, uh, that we both kind of read it last, the last time we had both read this book was in high school. Yes. And so I, let's start out by saying, and I, and I'm an, I'm an avid reader. Like I love reading books. Uh, and I read everything from fiction to nonfiction. Uh, I don't really do like the historical fiction. Um, I don't do historical fiction. I don't do romance. Yeah, I don't do romance either. And I really don't do, um, I don't really like the mystery or crime or like the uh, spy thriller, even though I really enjoyed James Bond as a kid. 
Uh, I still enjoy James Bond to some extent, but uh, mostly the older ones. Not the I, I like some of the Daniel Craig stuff, but it's just kind of nostalgic to go back and watch, you know, Roger Moore or Sean Connery, uh, and even Pierce Brosnan, um, Timothy Dalton. But <clears throat> I don't really like the uh, the whole sp- the whole spy thing. I guess in books anyway. Um, I don't recall ever reading a spy book. I do like detective books and mystery books. So okay, I'm a sucker I've read, for um, Agatha Christie and uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I, I, I'm okay. a big Sherlock Holmes fan. I read okay. all of it. I read the entirety of Sherlock Holmes sitting on a toilet. Uh, okay. <laughs> I bought the anthology with the two book set. Oh, I nice. All of it sitting on yeah. the toilet. <laughs> uh, my dear Watson. Um, I don't, I've never read a Sherlock Holmes. Uh, <clears throat> I might have some, I've got, I've got a lot of books. Uh, I've got a lot of books that were given to me by, you know, great aunts or aunts and, and things. And I haven't, there's so many books, uh, and there's so many movies and, um, I try and read as much as I can. I love reading. Um, and that's kind of how I got through the high school, the high school era, because, um, I don't know. You know, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of movies as a kid, uh, but if I if I could go and read, so like I wasn't able to watch anything that was like PG thirteen or R. And, but I could go read like The Stand, and there's a, a bit in The Stand where like he masturbates and is talking about like the dried semen on his stomach. And my parents were like, "Oh yeah, The Stand, it's great. You should read it." And I'm like, "Okay," uh, but they wouldn't let me watch Jaws. You know, and so I'm like, sure. I don't know, man, like there's some kind of mismatch and uh, I could go to the school library and I could check out any book I wanted. You know, I read Gone with the Wind in middle school. Sure. Um, and I've never read The Stand. I have it and I want to read it, but I have. Yeah, you should. It. There's a there's an unabridged or there's a I don't, it's not like a director's cut, but it's like a, you, you have to make sure you have the full the full version of it because it was severely edited. OK, uh, <clears throat> that would be my thing. But the point I was trying to make is, uh, with all the books that I've read, to have last read Animal Farm when I was in high school between 2000 and 2004, so we're almost 20 years later, for me to still remember kind of like the big line, which is, all animals are created equal, but some are more equal than others. Like, that was the big thing that I remembered from that book. Still, Me to too. this day, from high school. And in high school, and unless you're a listener that's in high school, which you probably shouldn't be listening to a cigar podcast in high school, but I'm not your parent, so you listen away. Um, I mean, that's saying something, because like in high school, you thought you knew everything, or I thought I knew everything, and I thought I was like hot shit uh, in the world of adults. And, I definitely uh, thought I knew more than I actually did. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but to, but to have like to have any book, you say Animal Farm. What's it about? Well, all animals are equal, except some are more equal than others. You know, um, I mean that's huge to have to have written a book that can still have an impact, only having read it once. You know, right. like. Uh, but yeah, it was very interesting to read it again. I agree. I actually did not read it. 
I listen to it uh, via audiobook twice. Yeah, you do a lot of audiobooks, though. I do mostly audiobooks because um, of uh, my job. Travel time. Travel time, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a, like it's a 90-some page book. It's less than 100 pages. It depends on, you know, the edition and the format, but it's it's less than 100 pages. Uh, when I when I fired it up, um, so I actually went and bought it used, and then I and then I found out it was like ninety nine cents on Kindle, so I just bought it on my Kindle so I could read it there. Um, but my Kindle, so I use the Kindle Paperwhite because I don't want all the distractions when I read. Um, Those are nice. I, uh, I just Sarah want the book. One. Yeah, I just yes. want the book, and yeah. so I was like, I could read it physically. Um, but, you know, my Sarah bought me the Kindle quite a few years back now. It's going to be aged out of the uh, free um, 3G connection. It's one of the first, I think it might be a second gen or something. And I think they're probably on like 27 gen. I don't know what, but, um, you know, it's great. I love it. it. It's it's small. You can have a crap ton of books. I've, I've, I've downloaded a bunch of books and I've never hit the hit the limit. Uh, you can connect it with the the library, the Hennepin County Library system, and you can rent for free all of these books, and you get them for like thirty days, right? So you can you can get any book from the library on your Kindle. Um, so I just I bought it for ninety nine cents, and I have the physical copy now too because I'm kind of like <clears throat> I'm kind of a dork. Um, I really enjoy having a library. I've got I don't know four bookshelves uh, down by my office area, uh, just packed with books uh, i just love like walking in and like looking at all the books like that's my favorite thing um and eventually when we get a bigger house hopefully um i can have like a library den where i can sit there and i can smoke cigars in that room and i've got those like books and i've got the ladder right the ladder that moves on the rails yeah. with the wheels yeah it would be uh, cool. fuck dude like that's amazing like i love the library look and that's why I love like physical media, even for movies and things. Like I love being able to like, walk in and like just look. Like we've got a pretty extensive vinyl collection, and it's all laid out so you can like flip through. And everybody loves like everybody I show the, our vinyl room to. They like they love just flipping through, just flipping through. And you can't really do that. I mean, you can digitally, but there's something like to be said about the tactile. Like you could see it there. Absolutely. Um, there is something about a library room if you have the space for it. Um, yeah. Or a vinyl, like a, a vinyl room or a vinyl wall. Yeah. Um, or like you guys have uh, the vinyl area, you know, like you have like a piece of furniture basically just for. Yes, the listening room. Yes. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's lost on people that are younger than us, but it's not lost on us. And I know that. Uh, yeah, the, what I remember the the propaganda when we were growing up was going to be, oh, these damn millennials—they'll kill off all these blah blah blahs. And it's like, well, not my house and not in your house, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, CDs <laughs> like CDs are are probably not ever going to come back. You know, I still buy CDs. <laughs> when I buy an album, I buy the I buy the CD, and then I I always buy the version that has uh, the digital download and i have like uh, fear inoculum which is the last tool album it's not even opened never physically opened it yeah 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 <laughs> but i have it physically <laughs> so well and, and for me like i've we've got 
I don't know, man. I've got so many CDs. Um, but there's just something. There's something really nice about... And this is what the older generation... This is what we should be connecting on. Is uh, There's just something really fucking great about grabbing a vinyl record. Putting it on your turntable. And like dropping the needle. Like... I don't know. It's 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 so different. Um, it's a nice it's, feeling. You know, the CD might have higher higher bit rate or whatever, but there's just something nice and organic about the vinyl record. Yes, we um, listened to vinyl this week, this last weekend. Oh, nice. Sarah and I did. I just grabbed one of my favorite concept albums ever. Um, on, on vinyl, and I'm so excited to listen to it. What is it? Okay, so one of my favorite concept albums is, um, and this isn't the one that I got, so I don't want everyone to get like all like worked up, uh, but one of my favorite concept albums is American Idiot by Green Day. And if you don't know what a concept album is, it's basically a, a prevailing theme. It doesn't have to necessarily be the, the a, a story from A to B, B to Z, uh, but it's like a theme. But American Idiot by Green Day tells a story of Jimmy throughout the, the whole album. And it's a great concept concept record. Um, but my favorite, uh, one of my favorite concept records is by a punk band called Titus Andronicus. And so they're named after a Shakespeare play. So you can already tell that they're educated and a lot of their shit is going to be like, you know, brainy. Uh, and so they put out a concept album, and I think all they do is concept albums, but they put out one called The Monitor, and it's based off a Civil War submarine. So you've got this whole punk rock album set in Civil War times, but to modern punk music sounds. So it's really fucking weird. Like, it's a fucking weird mix mismatch of Civil War things and then modern things, but then Civil War things again. Um, sure. It, it's wild. It's it's an experience. Um, if you like uh, pretty voices and things, it's not the album for you. But, you know, if you're... Uh, and actually, you know what? This is something that I talked to with my brother recently and to Sarah recently, too, is, you know... Uh, and this is a good question for you, Mike. When you listen to music, do you do you first connect with the music and the harmonies and the melodies, or do you first connect with the lyrics? Har harmonies. And okay. Sounds. I'm 100% lyrics. Really? I, like, honestly, and I, I've told people this and they're like, what? I'm like what? And I'm like, no man, like if it's a good lyric, I don't give two fucks what it sounds like. Like I'm there for the lyrics, like for the writing, for the composition, for, you know, for like, for like, like that. Um, sure. If it's got great music behind it, even better. But by and large, it's it's the it's the lyrics for me. So, uh, when I listen to old blues and old folk music, yeah, and modern folk, uh, it's the lyrics, and the music is almost irrelevant. It's largely the poem, uh, so to speak, of what they're saying. Yeah, and the music's kind of a backdrop because most of the time it's like a guy and a guitar. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's all about the lyrics. And I listen to a lot of that music as well. Um, but like metal 
it's all about the sound. It's not, I mean, I couldn't tell you the words to many songs that I enjoy. It's all about the, the music, you know, the, the, yeah. the instruments. It reminds me of uh, classical. Uh, the, the good metal is a lot like classical uh, with the composition. And I was trying to determine why I like the lyrics uh, so much. And, you know, I enjoy, you know, I don't know, maybe it's connecting with the author um, because I was huge into reading and that was all I could do for a long time. Sure. Uh, was reading. And uh, I love film. Uh, and I almost wonder if I love film because I was denied a lot of films as a kid. You we know, talked like, about that. Yeah, we did. We, we talked about that. And, um, but I love connecting and hearing what they have to say, like the message or their, their struggle or their strife. And uh, sometimes it's not always apparent. Like you can watch a movie. You can watch it at multiple levels. Like you can watch it as pure entertainment. You can watch it as a critique on modern society. Or you can watch it even as like what the, the screenwriter or scriptwriter has gone is going through at that time. Um, you know, but for me, it's, it's lyrics uh, for sure. Uh, I love great music. Like there's a lot of instrumental stuff that I just, I love cause it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and, and instrumental stuff will also have, you know, have you feel emotions and, and connect and everything. Um, and it's great when you can get both, right. You can get the lyrics and the music and they both come together and it's, and it's amazing. Um, but that's not animal farm, but animal no, farm is, is animal farm is to that level though. I mean, it is, it's amazing because like you think about some of these great works of literature uh, and then you're like, that's a really short book. Like the great Gatsby. It's really fucking short uh, of mice and men is really fucking short. Uh, the old man in the sea is really short uh, animal farm is really short, you know, um, but they're very pivotal. They're, um, they have a message. It's very simple to understand and it's well done. Yes, exactly. And, and, and last, last episode we were talking about prey and how, uh, they could have made it a two and a half hour long movie, but it would have been absolute shit. And so they made it an hour and a half and it wasn't absolute shit. It wasn't, it wasn't phenomenal, but you don't have to draw, drag something out. You don't have to, give it more words than it needs. Right. Um, it was, the prey was good enough for what it was. Wasn't yes. Fantastic. Uh, but it was fine. But animal farm, man, it's truly great. Uh, mandatory reading. In my opinion, very few, uh, works of literature are that important. Uh, Orwell happened to write two, uh, 1984 and animal farm. Animal Farm is obviously much more straightforward. Um, but uh, well, the themes uh, in it are prescient, are pre very prescient to our society now, yes. even 80 years later. And so, you know what? I think he did a great job of taking really complex themes and abstracting them through animals. Uh, to make it relatable. Yes. Right? Like if, I think if it were a story about humans versus humans, it would not have read the same. 
and it's very episodic too, which is yes. nice because it's uh, almost like a blueprint of red flags. Well, yeah, you know, every little section is like a red flag, a red flag, and it's a progression that arcs back to the beginning yes. of the story. Well, and so um, <clears throat> I don't know how you want to do this or how you want to like dig into it, uh, but I, I guess I'll share my takeaways which won't be all of them because even though it's only like 90 some pages long, there, there's a lot to unpack. And, and that's what we said, you know, there's a lot there. It's very um, dense. Very I dense. really liked that kind of the catalyst to the whole animal revolution. Old major uh, died before really anything happened. Yes. Right. So he, he prophesized basically that the animals would revolt and uh, and then he died. And then you had, uh, it was Napoleon and Snowball, and Snowball was kind of more brainy um, initially, right? Like he was, uh, he was brainy but naive, we'll say. Um, brainy, Napo- naive, but also corrupt. He was also corrupt. How was That's... Snowball corrupt? So, when... The animals first revolted. They had to go out and work the field because it was right before the threshing, right? Yes, yes. So the cows needed to be milked. So the pigs milked the cows. Napoleon said, all right, animals, now we need to go and, you know, get this wheat off the field. I will take care of the milk. Next segment. It snowball went out and led them with their uh, task. Next segment, nobody knew what happened to the milk. Next segment after that, you learn, oh, the milk was blended into the pig's food. Snowball was a pig, and Snowball certainly was partaking in that milk stealing. And he said nothing. So he was just as corrupt as all the other pigs. In that instance, less so later, but he was involved with the beginning of the downfall, just as much as the rest of them. Yes, I, I suppose that's true. Um, which is probably. Oh, I think that's a very important thing. I think I, it's a very important note because there was no leadership that was not corrupt from well, the beginning. And, and, I, and I would agree with you. Other than would, Old Major. Well, we don't know because he died. We don't know if he was or wasn't corrupt. Would he have? Would he have been compl- complacent with the milk incident? Possibly. Who knows? Um, that's you the, know. That's the important part. He wasn't there, so well, nobody yeah. knows. And that's what I'm saying. And I think, and and it was a great insight um, to Snowball because certainly, like later on, Snowball, if you have any empathy, it's kind of like he's he, he he's run out of the farm and turned into the patsy. Um, and I guess like, because he, he kind of led the charge against the humans and Napoleon really wasn't there. And then Napoleon turned snowball into like a war criminal and blamed everything on him. But, but then like you said at the beginning, like snowball was, was, um, a co-conspirator almost um 
or very much so uh, with the milking, even though he seemed to be working harder. And the way that it was presented in the book is Snowball designed the plans for the windmill uh, and Napoleon came in and like pissed all over those plans. And then after running Snowball out, built the windmill anyway, you know, so. He took, Napoleon was the strong man that took over after he ran the brains out and they just took all the ideas of the brains. Yeah, but, but it's he, not like he, he was without fault, right? Well, no, but and Napoleon wasn't wasn't brainless. So when I say Napoleon was, you know, the brains of the operation, he was the brains, but he was naive. Because if he would have not been naive, Snowball, Snowball was naive. With the yeah, Snowball was naive. If Snowball would not have been naive, he never would have been run out by Napoleon. Right. Napoleon had his own brains, but they were less mechanically minded. And more politically and crowd control minded. And when Napoleon took those those puppies to train in private, like he made his own Gestapo, basically. Well, he made his own police force. I mean, we can call him Gestapo, but in the context of, I I was looking at it. They teach it in schools as a through the lens of that historical period because they can't criticize modern times. But the story is very prescient for the moment well for sure um, because the dogs are there to enforce the will of the leader their personal leader uh napoleon who, i will i will say uh, you you finish your napoleon thought oh no go ahead go ahead oh uh my favorite and this is some of the subtleties that either were one you know lost the time because it's been 20 years since i've read it or that I was not, uh, I don't know, not um, worldly enough to pick up on, we'll say, uh, when I initially read it, was uh, the commandments, right? So they had seven commandments, mm-hmm. and only some of the animals could read, okay? And I think my favorite character was, uh, was it Benjamin the donkey? Benjamin the donkey, yep. I think he's my favorite character of the whole, of the whole book. Um, because it kind of like reflects what I think about like politics, right? Like he goes, you know, donkeys live a long time and he wouldn't really like criticize anybody. Whenever oh. anybody would ask him, he'd go like, you know, donkeys live a long time. Everything's going to be the same. doesn't matter. Like, no, no, this is more specific. It's important. The wording. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I listened to it twice. Okay. So yes. I picked up the subtleties that I did the second time around. He said specifically, Donkeys live a long time. None of you have ever lived long enough to see a donkey die. Oh, perfect. None of you have ever seen a donkey die before. I think it's yes. exactly what he said. Okay. And I remember that <laughs> line from the book uh, as you said it. Right? Like, yeah, I remember that's that. That's important. That's very important. Yes. So the illusion is that he has already seen the animal farm revolution happen before. Yes. Because by the end... By the end, you you realize. (laughs) You realize. Um, (laughs) And so I think because of some of the topics that we've talked about on this podcast, uh, especially with, um, you know, Sakakawea, some of the flag stuff, you know, the 50 star flag and Betsy Ross, and how that, uh, some of those myths or urban legends have now become 
fact. Yes. Uh, unless you dig deep enough. Uh, so one of my favorite parts, and I hated it, right? Like I hated it. I I hated it. Um, but one of my favorite parts was when, you know, the pigs would do something. And all the animals would go and, and they'd be like, hey, I, is that, I, I didn't feel like that was like in, in the spirit of our revolution. And the first time that it really like, really struck, like really struck was when Napoleon had all of those people executed mm-hmm. the first time. And all the animals were like, I don't know. And uh, they went back to the barn wall because they painted all the all the uh, commandments on the barn wall. And uh, one of them that couldn't read was like, "Hey, can you can you tell me like, is what what does that commandment say again?" And it was, uh, "No animal shall kill another animal." Was the original commandment, but now it said, "No animal shall kill another animal without reason." And and then the the other animal that couldn't read was like, oh, I guess I just remembered it wrong, you know. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing is, and you hear it all the time and you never really think about it, right? Like, history is written by the winners. Yes. And just, and, and I know, like, who designed the flag it's not important really i mean in the grand scheme of of humanity right um it's it's not a it's not a huge thing like it's still a big enough thing to where you know when you learn the the true story you're kind of like you're miffed about it you're a little upset but you're like it, it it's just a flag but then you think well okay if they can do that with the flag design and that's what's taught in schools right now what else are they doing it about? Right. Everything else is what I'm going to guess. No, I would agree with you. Uh, 100%. Uh, but that was like, that was huge for me to like reread as an adult. Like as a, as a child, you're just like, ah, oh, the animals are like lying to one another. That's fine. Like whatever. It's animals, you know. Um, but as an adult who's, you know, I don't know, been through the ringer or whatever you would call it, just normal adulthood. Uh, you read that, you read, you read that, and it's a 90 page book, right? And you read that and they're the ruling class is changing the laws, but nobody notices because none of the animals can read or only a select few of the animals can read. Um, and the other thing, the other, the other big takeaway I mean, there's a lot of takeaways, right? Like, well, like you said, so, it's a it's a dense book. But the other thing I want to talk about real quick, uh, and then we'll get into your thoughts. Okay, absolutely. Um, and not not to hijack it. I don't. I'm not trying. No, to, no, like, it's no hijacking. You know, no hijacking. Like, like strong arm you, but yeah, uh, oh yeah. Um, I just I have this train of thought, and I just wanted to like get it out, and then I'm very curious to hear your thoughts because, um, your insights on Benjamin were great. And I remember reading that line, but I, it didn't stick with me, you know, because I only read it the once. Right. Um, I actually slowed the. I usually well, listen at one point three speed, and I actually slowed okay, it yeah. down to normal speed because I wanted to hear it 
Yes. There's a lot of information being oh, put there's forward. So much, so much. Constantly. You have to really pay you if you read it, uh, read it twice. It's, yeah. it's a quick read. For sure. Read it's, it twice, it's an hour yeah. and a half, basically, is what is what uh, the Kindle told me right. it would take. Um, but the other thing, the other thing that was huge to me, I mean, this is like the dogs, like him training the dogs, his police force, uh, them changing the, the commandments, uh, you know, and it goes, it goes, it gets progressively worse, you know, each, each throughout the book, like each commandment they change gets progressively worse. But the other thing that really struck out, stuck out to me was when, uh, I think it was Squealer. He's the little like fucking pig that you you just oh, fucking yes. hate, right? Oh, yes. uh, he took all the sheep because the sheep were, you know, the sheep were the sheep, basically. Like there was a very, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel like heavy handed in the book. But when you when you try and like when I'm trying to articulate this to you now, the like, reason why we call people sheep, yes, or followers, is because of this book. Because of this book, uh, so it feels heavy handed trying to explain it to you now. But in the book, it didn't feel heavy-handed which i think is a testament to george um but squealer took the the sheep and he took them for special training or something right because they used to say you know two legs bad four legs good that was their whole thing and that was how they quieted dissent on the farm they used the sheep to quiet dissent and it was always two legs bad four legs good and that was their whole thing but then towards the end of the book, Squealer took them all aside and he took them for like, I don't know, it was a day or two days or it was, I don't know, it was a long period of time. It was a week. A week, yeah. And when he they took came them back, under the guise of pruning, special yes. pruning they needed to be doing, yes. done on the far side of the farm away from everybody else. Yes, it was farm work that had to be done, but it, it wasn't. It was brainwashing, extra brainwashing. Because when they came back, they didn't say two legs bad four legs good they said what what, what do they say they said four uh, legs good two legs better yes that is exactly what they said because the pigs were all learning to walk on two legs so they could negotiate with the other humans which brings us to the conclusion of the book when the animals looked in the window and could not distinguish the pigs from the men um but that was uh you know what that was huge because you can see it going on today, and it doesn't matter which side you're on, but if you're watching your favorite news media on TV, right, uh, it's going to be three letters either way, okay, Fox or CNN, um, that's what they're doing. They're teaching you to be the sheep yes. for that side, and... But nobody, but they don't realize it, and the sheep never realized it. I don't think. The sheep I mean, were they, too stupid to understand what was well, going of course. on. Yeah. Um, and I know we want to talk about boxer. We're going to uh, talk about boxer, but but I, but I just wanted to get my initial thoughts of like the big takeaways, the big takeaways. I mean, there's a lot there, and even just talking about it with very you nuanced now, for pages. Yes, <laughs> incredibly nuanced, and just talking about it with you. And having you bring some things that I like, I read and I remember reading them, but it didn't like hit as hard as it hit for you. Like, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, to read a book 
and to read it with somebody else, everybody else has a has a different viewpoint or a different different um, lens that they're looking at it through. Even if you still get the same major message, there's still some like finesse in there. Oh, yes. So it's, it's great to read something, read something at the same time somebody else's, and then talking about it later. Um, well, that's the popularity of book clubs. Well, uh, yes. Not, I mean, you had a college book club, and I had a college book club too. And it yeah. wasn't like an official book club. It was just like no, a bunch of friends that were saying we're all going to read this. And we're not going to talk about it until everybody finishes. And after this, we're going to read this, you know, and then we're going to bullshit and have a discussion about it when we're all done. And, uh, I like that. Oh, it's me important. Too. It's, it's important. great. Yeah. It's, it's uh, let's hear, let's hear your here. thoughts. We well, can do more of that. All, we should do my, more of this. My, yes, I agree. Uh, I enjoy these episodes, uh, tremendously. Uh, first of all, I'm over halfway done with the cigar. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, it is a one-note cigar. It is a good note. It is dark and it is sweet. It's a opinion. good note, yes. Uh, very pleasant smoking, which is what I remember the original one being, too. Very good. Uh, more my speed. The Macanudo was also very good. It was very good. Um, I, I would say, like, if you like a lighter cigar, the Macanudo. If you like a darker cigar, this one. Uh, but they're both very similar. They're similar in the fact that the Tobacco is very good, very consistent throughout. Uh, probably takes a lot of effort to make a cigar that is consistent throughout, as consistent as this. I would Just believe. Dark I would sweet. believe that to be true. Yes. Yeah, and I like dark and sweet cigars. Uh, that's my sucker spot. And you like dark and sweet other things, but we'll get into that later. So, uh, I was going to go back to when they started changing the commandments. Yes. So it was important that the the second horse, not Boxer. Now I can't remember her name. Clover. Clover. She was the one that knew something had changed. She yes. was the only one that recognized it. Because she could read more. Boxer could only read, I don't know, the first six letters of the alphabet a through or D. something. Yes. Or a, yeah, he could read A through D. And by the time that he learned E through F, he had forgotten A through D yes. again. Precisely. So he had to restart reading. But Clover could, she knew all the letters. And she had a good memory, but she wasn't smart enough to know to memorize it. So she asked Muriel the goat yes. to come and read it. And Muriel the goat was smart enough to read all the letters. And the first read-through, I was like, is Muriel a conspirator? Second read-through, no, she wasn't. She was nope, smart enough to be not, able to read them all. She's not smart she, enough to remember. Clover could remember. Muriel, uh, Muriel could not remember, but she could read it out loud. Yes, but Clover, <laughs> but Clover didn't have the uh, confidence, right? Because that was always the thing. She would go, "That's not how I remembered it, but if that's what's written, it must be true." Right. Oh yeah. And the first animal slaughter, she's the one that raised hell. Boxer, who couldn't read, was also the work, like literally the workhorse of the farm. Was like, "You're right. They did this wrong." And they attacked him, but he was too strong for them to overcome. So they had to let it go. They had to let him go because he could not be beaten by the dogs. Uh, but yeah, so that was very, I, I found that moment to be interesting because Boxer did all the work for everyone. 
Oh, his yeah. His motto was... Work harder. Napoleon is always right, and work harder. Which is what they want, what they, being the people who run the society in Animal Farm, what they wanted everybody to say was, the leader is always right. Yes. The answer to all things is to work harder. I can give more. Um, and that was the saddest part was he was so close to retirement, quote unquote, because no animal ever retired on Animal Farm. Um, but he thought he was close to retirement. And his only concern was that they had enough stone to finish the windmill. Yes. And he yes, was, was. He, he, would, he used to wake up a half hour early uh, to go haul stone and work. And then he started waking up 45 minutes early. And then I think by the end, he was waking up a full hour early for his, for his shift. And uh, one of the sentences I remember, and he, and he wrote it several times, was, um, you know, the animals weren't sure if it was better or worse than under Jones, but they always felt like it was better because they were no longer slaves. All right. Except, you know, except, of course, the unwritten thing was, except they were. Right. Um, except they were worse. By the end, they reveal that, of course. Well, yes, but. of course. Um, but as a writer, you're not going to say, except they were, because that's super heavy-handed. And this right. book is is a master class of nuance, I think. Um, if you're interested in writing or telling a story, this is one of those books that you read, and you're like, look, George Orwell didn't give you any extra fluff. This is boiled down condensed. Oh, there's a reason why it took him two years to write. Full of nuance, though. You know, yes. it was masterfully written. No, nothing more than you need. Yes, no more detail uh, than is necessary. And it's and it's great because this is a time before the audiences were too dumb to pick up on things. Right. You know what I mean. And I and and to be fair to the audiences, I don't think the audiences nowadays are too dumb to pick up on things. I just think that most writers and creators of content, whether it's Hollywood or your your um, bestseller, you know, um, New York Times bestseller list or whatever, they just believe you're too dumb and nobody's calling them out on it. Just like the animals weren't calling out the pigs for and, and one of the greatest things ever was when um, when the pigs discovered the whiskey right yes and then squealer's like napoleon's gonna die well he was just hung over right like we've all almost been been dying because of drinking too much um you definitely feel like it yes but it was hilarious <laughs> as an adult who has felt that way uh at least once in my life i'm not going to give you an exact number but at least once we'll we'll leave it at that um but like how but it's it's fucking funny as an adult, like as a kid, you're never going to pick up on that. Like, oh, we think Napoleon's going to die soon. And all the animals are like, well, what's going to happen if we lose our leader? Uh, but then you realize like he was just hungover, right? Um, oh, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, it's fucking funny, but it's also like super sad. Right. And yeah. on a second reading, that whole, the whole series of events that led up to them find, finding a whiskey cask or a, yeah. a box of whiskey. 
was when they traded the wood pile for money and they claimed the money was fake. So they couldn't use it to finish building the windmill. But then magically they find a box of whiskey the next day. Right. Well, so and and I, <laughs> and I was like, uh, so they might have found a box of whiskey or they might have spent the money they used selling the wood pile to buy whiskey. But now <laughs> I might remember I might be remembering this differently. Uh, so I might be Boxer or Clover here uh, when I say this, but I, I feel like they found the whiskey first. No, 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 no. Uh, they just found the whiskey. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying I might be Boxer or I might be Clover. Oh, I see. I see. Right? Yes, yes. But yeah, I yeah. but I feel like the pigs found the whiskey first, then sold the wood pile and bought more whiskey with it. They did buy more whiskey later. Yes. But oh, I wasn't sure if it was from the wood pile or not, because um, the wood pile thing kind of took forever, which is well, weird they, to say in yeah. a 90-page book. But right. Like, you know, but that was the whole point. Like, he was, like, they were drawing that out. Um, and it was like, it was, I wasn't annoyed by it cause it was, it was great. It was, it was exactly what would actually happen. But when, they, when they were trying to choose between the two farms to sell the wood pile to, right? Like it's like, as an adult, it's like, who fucking cares? Just list that shit on Craigslist, get your money and call it good. Like you're not actually like, you're not like condoning one farmer over the other. Or, or you know that was kind of a commentary at the time with uh, the Soviet Union and like the fascists and the free world. They switched allegiances several times before World War Two. And I understand, and, and, and I understand that, and I understand yeah. that in the in the book. And so when I'm saying like it took forever, I mean it's a 90 page book, so it didn't take forever, right? Um, and it was a, but it was a big contention point on the farm, and I think it was a big contention point. Because I feel like Napoleon was testing the waters of how much he could get away with, with his populace. Sure. You know. Well, yeah, to um, draw a modern parallel, it's kind of like China, Russia. Who's the bad guy? Well, we're yeah. friends with them one day. We're enemies the next day. The leader of one country is like the greatest evil of all time, but... George Bush was best buddies with the leader of one of these countries. We're not going to say which. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. You know, it, it goes, oh, he's truly a good man. I can see it in his eyes. And blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, no, like, I know. But, uh, but it's that's the whole point. It's switching back and forth of allegiances for no reason. Exactly. Because there is no issue. That's Behind the whole. The scenes is the insinuation. Well, and that's why the book is so great. And I don't know how he, I don't know how. Like, like I don't know how. Um. Well, and it's I, because we're more politically aware and we're older, and no, there's no, no, some no, no, context no. that you're picking no. up on it. What I'm saying is, I don't know how he did it in 90 pages, like um, master like, writer. I no, mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, 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 like seriously, a like skill beyond anything that I have. Like uh, fucking phenomenal ever. is yeah. what I'm saying. Like more skilled at writing than I will ever be at anything, for <laughs> sure. Except bowling, maybe. But, no, um, no, no. He's a way better writer than I'll ever be a bowler. <laughs> but uh, you know, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, is like, like it's 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 almost mind-boggling, right? Uh, to be sitting here talking about a 90-page book. 
but all right. of the stuff he fit into it without beating you over the head with it. Right. And my book had a foreword to it. I'm not sure if yours did. No. My foreword is written in the 1950s, and I listened okay. to it the first time. I skipped it the second time. And in the foreword, one thing stood out was, this is either going to be a lesson to keep people free, or it, it in afterthought, will be a blueprint of how their society fell. More or less was the summation. Well, and that's that's always kind and, of how it is. Right. And it's like, wow, it's, like I say, it's kind of like 1984, which we could read 1984 next or at some point. Because I, I, I read it. I've read that twice, and I read it on my own in college when I was college age. I've re- I read that one in college. And, I really uh, enjoyed it. And you know what else I really enjoyed? Uh, cool. But I can't remember much about it as a Brave New World. I've read Brave New World. I read that recently. Oh, And okay. I thought it was, uh, it's one of those things where it's so on the nose now that I didn't think it was that good, but I understand that it was really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I would, I would, like, I remember enjoying it, but I don't know if I would, if I would say that I enjoyed it as much as 84 or Animal Farm. It's not as good. I don't think. You, you know what? It's still good. Um, here, here's one. Um, and we're, we're still going to talk about Animal Farm. Uh, because even though it's 90 pages, absolute master class in writing. Uh, not being heavy-handed. Letting your reader come to their own conclusions. I mean, really, like, you could read it and not get what we got out of it. And you could get a little story about animals on a farm. You know, you could. Um, I'd probably think you were fairly dense if that's all you got out of it, but you, I mean, you certainly could. Um, but one of my favorite books of all time, all time, one of my favorite, absolute favorite, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Never read it. That's the next one we're going to read. That's the next one we're going to read. That'll work for me. It is so good. Have you read any Kurt Vonnegut before? No. Oh, my goodness. You're going to love Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, have you read any Mark Twain? Yes, of course. Okay, if you love Mark Twain. but... Well, yes. no, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of the almost the same, like, irreverence that Mark Twain has. I mean, he's, like, he's very, like, you wouldn't, like, I don't know. I don't know if you'd ever think like Mark Twain was, you know, necessarily irreverent. But he certainly yes. got his own like oh, distinct yes. He's voice. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Given yeah. given the time. Yes. Purposefully so. Oh yeah. Uh it's the same with, with uh Kurt Vonnegut. Uh my favorite I've read a lot of his books. Uh fucking love Kurt Vonnegut. Um But Slaughterhouse Five, one of my all time favorite books ever. Uh, I would read that before reading a lot of things, actually. Um, oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, oh, come on now. I actually have the anniversary special edition of it. Uh, guy, Boys on an Island, Get Left Alone on an Island, Golding. What the hell is that book called? Are you talking about the um, Lord of the Flies? Lord of the Flies, yeah. Okay. Lord of the Flies. It's been a hot minute since I read that too. 
Uh, uh, I think, me also. Me also. I think we should do Slaughterhouse Five, and then we'll do Lord of the Flies. Sounds good to me. Fuck! Okay. I love Vonnegut. He's so good. He's I've so good. A few people say that Kurt Vonnegut is quite good. Uh, that I've known over the years, but I just never made it around. You know what I mean? Made it around to it. I'm busy reading Dune and things like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm on uh, Heretics of Dune, and I've still got what like three or four books left in the original like series, and then all the supplementary novels. But uh, I made a little like brief pause on the Dune to read Animal Farm, which you know only took me an hour, hour and a half, whatever. But uh, I think Kurt Vonnegut is one of those ones. And I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe Slaughterhouse-Five is his most accessible. I don't know if it's the one he's most well-known for, but it's certainly my favorite of all of his. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of Kurt Vonnegut that I absolutely love, and there's none of it that I, I dislike. Um, but there's some that are more, that resonate more than others, I suppose. Uh, he has, I can't remember which, which book it is. He'll sometimes put himself in his own books. So he kind of like, I don't know if he was the first one to break the fourth wall, but he oh, does, no. he's he, not. Do, he's he not. does, you know, he's not, but he, he does from time to time. Not very often though. Very rarely he does that, but, um, he, he invents this religion called the church of Jesus Christ, the missing. Okay. Okay. So they believe that Jesus Christ never died, and he's still here. He's with us. He's right here, uh, but he's missing. And so this whole this whole church's premise is they look underneath their dinner plates, they look behind curtains, uh, they look everywhere for Jesus. You know, they're always looking. They're always looking. They're flipping things upside down. They're looking, looking for Jesus, um, which is hilarious. I mean, it's a whole critique on a lot of things, but like it's it's fucking hilarious. Um, but, uh, Slaughterhouse Five is a semi-autobiographical account because he was a prisoner of war in World War II. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's very, I don't know. I don't want to like give you too much to go on. Sure. Other than if you were to ask me what my favorite Kurt Vonnegut book is, I would say Slaughterhouse Five all day long. Sure. Um, and, you know, if you were to ask me to list off, like, my top ten books, Slaughterhouse-Five is somewhere in there. I don't know which, what level it's at, but it's it's one of those. It, it might be top ten, might be top five. Sure. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, um, my middle brother, uh, who's three years younger than I am, and myself, we've kind of banned, we've banned ourselves from reading Kurt Vonnegut in public. <laughs> because okay. because uh, Kurt Vonnegut is a very interesting character and he can really hit you deep and make you very very sad okay but he can also make you laugh uncontrollably and it's that second part which is the reason we won't read him in public because sure. You can be reading a Kurt Vonnegut book 
and you, you can feel like you're down on the ropes and you're about to, you know, like lose the fight. And all of a sudden he hits you with something that's like the absolute funniest thing that you've ever possibly read in your entire life. And you, you have no choice. Like it's an uncontrollable human urge as you just laugh like a moron in public. Uh, he's very nuanced in that way. Like he can, he can write the ultimate sadness and then something hilarious. The next sentence, like it's, sure. it's, it's very phenomenal. Um, but this isn't about Kurt Vonnegut. We're talking about animal farm. Yes, we are. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's great how like, uh, but I'll say, you know, what is good authors make you think about other good authors. Right. Yeah. And George Orwell is, I mean, there's a reason why I would say every educated person in the English speaking world has heard of George Orwell. Yes, uh, for sure. For one word or another. From, yeah, from one method or another. Uh, it's entered our lexicon. Uh, I even used, uh, this is back in my days of union work, quote unquote. Uh, I accused one of our bosses of speaking double speak. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In an open air meeting. Shocking, I know. Yeah. Uh, and then one of my one of the guys that I knew came back later. He's like, I don't know if those guys know what you mean when you said double speak. And I'm like, we should all know who what double speak is. <laughs> we should. We should all know. But the fact uh, of the matter is, we most of us don't it as well. <laughs> you know, but no, it's it's incredible. And this, uh, well, we talked about it. Don't be a boxer. Be a Benjamin. Yep. Well, let's talk about boxer for a little bit. I mean, we talked. Sure. A little bit about him being the the workhorse or the only worker uh, of okay. the farm. Uh, side note: too, too I much. am damn near done with my cigar. Ooh, I am three inches away. Three inches away? I am I'm so, nubbing right now, dude. Man, I'm so sorry. I was I very excited. Right Mine's still lit and going, but I I was very excited about Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, um, this is. Oh no, I I completely understand. I I will grab a smaller. Uh, little Excalibur uh, to finish out the episode. And that is perfectly okay with me because they're quite good. Uh, those are kind of like my little holdover cigars when we uh, go past on these episodes. And they're right here in the room, so no issue. Well, I guess there we go. Uh, uh, I am I, I am done. It was the same note for me the whole way through. Uh, it is burning my fingers hot. I even put it down a couple times to cool it down to get you to smoke it. Because uh, it did qu get quite hot. Uh, the oil made it burn a little unevenly, but not too bad. Okay. Mine's been but burning pretty pretty, uh, pretty decent. I put mine down the whole time I was talking about Kurt Vonnegut. So, the last like 15 minutes. But it's still lit, and it's still going strong. Um, sure. And I'm puffing on it, and there's less than an inch left, and it still tastes the same as it did. Yeah. It, it's uh, been good. It's been good. It's, it, it's, it's, it's incredible when they do this. We do criticize it sometimes a little too harshly when it's the same. It does take quite a bit of talent oh, to make a consistent, you know, flavor throughout. I wouldn't say that we criticize it overly. I would say that through smoking as many cigars as we have smoked, even just on this podcast, I mean, we smoked more than on the podcast here, but 
with what we've smoked, uh, you and I have come to the conclusion that we usually enjoy the flavor changes more than we enjoy the one notes. But that's the same thing with beer is I've heard it's very complicated to make a light beer consistently. Like it's almost more complicated to make a light beer consistently than it is to make an IPA consistently. So the craftsmanship in a light beer is perhaps higher than that of an IPA. Sure. It's kind of like making a machine or uh, something that does work and making it look like it doesn't have enough parts to actually run. Yes. That's a thing. Uh, so we're uh, not for, we're for not criticizing we're not criticizing the craftsmanship or the skill that goes into these one notes. We're just saying our personal preferences are the, personal fla- preferences are the flavor to see changes. A purposeful you know. and consistent flavor change. Yes. You know, not like a swisher sweet turns from no great flavor from, from to worse sour. To, to from worse to yeah. worser. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, uh, but the one notes like there's a lot to be said for that. If if you want a consistent smoke, this is a great one, and the uh, the Macanudo, also a great one. Um, we're uh, yes, we're, yes, we're not and, we're um, not also the one note edges were yes uh, quite good. Uh, uh, we're not we're not naysaying on these. We're just saying our personal preferences are we would much more enjoy uh, a flavor change but maybe a flavor change and i don't know we'd have to look into it maybe a flavor change is easier to do than it is to keep something consistent for a full stick it might um, be and but, I it, will but, tell it you that, but it doesn't uh, matter i'm saying that this is a great cigar a series of cigars that nate and i both uh tried and had mixed results were the gurkhas and uh i didn't i very few gurkhas that i've had we're good before the half first half of the cigar. And that's not a good flavor change. So it's not a criticism of the, uh, of the cigar to say that it's one note. If they know it is good. Oh, absolutely not. I think if you can make a, a cigar that tastes good at the beginning and good at the middle and good at the end, that's a win. Um, is it one that I'm going to constantly go back to? You know, maybe not. It depends, you know. Uh, especially since doing this podcast and talking to other people about cigars, uh, it's interesting because the more you know about cigars, even if it's a one note and something you might not smoke for yourself, you'll hold it in the back of your mind and say, you know what, my buddy so-and-so, they really like this flavor, this kind of cigar. I've got one that fits that and it's that all the way through. You don't have to smoke through a bad first half to get to a decent second half. You can smoke a good all the way through cigar. Yes, and I agree with that. Uh, especially if they don't smoke a lot of cigars. Uh, or even if, if they do if you and they like that the doesn't notes. smoke a lot of cigars and they're new to it, I know my answer. It's only one answer, which is the moon trains. But yes. <laughs> so anyway back to animal farm hit me hit me up so uh our favorite character is benjamin yes uh, 
even though, you know, I was trying to, I, I, I tried to break it down for, you know, personalities and society. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the talk about the cat was very interesting, you know, because the oh, cat yeah. pops in and out. Oh, yes. And the cat is never directly affected really by the rules uh, and never believed in the rules either. And I think that a lot of people in our modern, a lot of the quote unquote smart people act a lot like the cat, uh, where they're there, they don't really believe in the rules, but they tertiarily follow them. <laughs> well, and the same with the crow. The crow was super interesting because it's a direct, I mean, that's almost blunt. The, the, the crow that uh, talks about, you know, sugar canned or sugar land candy mountain or whatever. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> was, but it uh, was interesting because it was almost the, um, the crazy kook prophet on the street corner. That is sponsored and, by and, the state. Yes. But, but, you know, and so that was what I was going to say next is the crazy kook street preacher that Napoleon allowed because Napoleon as the dictator saw value in giving the animals hope in something that could in no way, shape or form ever be proven. But it wasn't just allowed. Remember Jones fed the crow. Yes. And when uh, Moses came back on the blunt nose, right? The pigs gave him an allowance of beer yes. per day. They did. They and did. Uh, no other animal got an allowance of beer. Besides the Except pigs. Except pigs, yes. Yeah. The pigs and the crow. And the pigs would, of course, talk bad about the crow. But they, they had to. The well, yes. <laughs> they had to. Yeah, they had to. But they paid. But the they crow saw the value either. in the crow, right? So they saw Absolutely. the value in the crow, but they had to publicly denounce the crow, which is interesting. Well, I thought it's but true. I mean, it's, like I say, it, there's a <laughs> lot of parallels to our modern society. Yes, uh, just as it, it was then. It yes. hasn't changed that much. It really hasn't. And as a free nation, if you don't see the air quotes, uh, it's because you're not watching us live on video. Um, but as a free nation, the amount of things the ruling class, and by ruling class I mean either both political parties and all uh, billionaires, that's the ruling class. Like, you can get a huge boner for Elon Musk, but guess what? He's part of the ruling class. Um, and something we should talk about later is Mark Cuban's uh, pharmacy site that he set up. He's yeah, undercutting... I don't know anything about it. Ah, he's undercutting all the, uh, the, the big pharma. Interesting. By hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Interesting. Uh, and it's Obviously caused still cutting a profit, and yeah, and he's he's caused quite a stir. Um, and that's something that we have to look into a little bit more before we can talk about it um, intelligently on our podcast. But sure, 
Uh, that's something that's causing a stir right now, uh, especially if you take prescription drugs. Um, and his site is, is amazing because you can you click on, on the disease you have and it lists all the medicines that their pharmacy covers. And instead of like $400, it's like 30 bucks, right? So he'll tell you, he'll tell you what it costs for him to buy. And he'll tell you what, you know, CVS, Walgreens, all the insurance companies are charging for that drug. And then he'll charge, you know, if it's a $30 thing, he'll charge 40 bucks. So you're paying 10 extra bucks, which is still a, a pretty decent markup. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, as, as a wealthy person in America, you can choose to go the Elon Musk route where you're sucking the government's dick all day long to get more money for you. Or you're trying to undercut and change society to where you're not trying to monopolize and make a fuck ton of money off of sick people. Right. Well, the Elon Musk of the world are definitely kind of like Moses because he gets tens of billions of dollars in contracts. Yeah. And he made all these various projects. And the only reason he was able to buy the foundership is he's not the founder of Tesla, but he bought that title. The only reason he's able to buy that title is because his daddy uh, sold blood diamonds. Blood emeralds. Well, whatever. Blood something. Pretty much the same thing. African slave mine. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Animal Farm. I I mean, I I read it in high school, but I was not prepared for a 90-page book to do what it did to me. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I feel disappointed in my old literature teacher because uh, they, they taught you the things in literature and it was like testing, blah, blah, blah. But the real cultural significance of it was purposefully avoided. Well, That's how be. I would put it now. Kind of, yeah. You know. It and had my, to be. Uh, my nephew recently came and visited us and we were going around doing all the things and even he at 16 is aware that you don't ban things that are lies. You ban things that are true. And the people who are banning them are probably guilty of the things that whatever they're banning is preaching against. That is real and true. <laughs> you know, so the young people now are with it. Uh, so it's not a terrible thing. It's just weird that a lot of adults seem to put their blinders on. Well, and that's the whole thing is like, the younger generations know how to use the internet. So you can't, you can, you can like tell them they can't read a certain book. But if you tell them they can't read a certain book, they're going to go find it somewhere else. Like even if it's not in the public library, you know how much, so uh, they banned uh, uh, Mouse, which is the uh, uh, graphic novel about, you know, the Holocaust. And as soon as they banned it, you know what I did? Went on eBay for five bucks. I bought the complete, the complete thing, all in one, all in one book. I haven't, I haven't read it yet. But, you know what? 
I'm 36 years old. And if somebody bans a book, even, I'm not in school, so I don't, I don't care if they ban it. But if they're banning a book, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go fucking buy it and read it because that's what you need to do. If the ruling class is telling you a book is banned, you had goddamn better well go fucking read that book right now. Yep. And they, our local bookseller here has a stack of them. <laughs> Guaranteed it wasn't there before they banned it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, like banning a book, that's only for like schools, right? Right, yeah. Like it's not banning it for the general population. Like they can never ban a book they anymore. Can try. They can try. No, they, they can try. But it's not going to be easy. You know, there's so many other places to get books. Um, but if they're banning it, you'd better read it. And uh, one of the best books, and I think I talked about this before on a podcast, uh, but recently, because uh, I subscribed to a couple different like newsletters and things. I don't really watch the news, but I uh, subscribe to some like email digests and things. And I subscribe to, um, you know, like a reading list uh, email that comes out once a month. Um, but one of the one of the prevailing th- uh, themes of some of the media that I choose to consume in my life is that uh, if somebody bans a book, it's something they don't want you to read. It has really nothing to do with, you know, per- perverse thoughts or theories or mentalities. It's just perverse to them and their goal to, you know, make you into a boxer, as it were. Right. They want you to be a boxer. Or a Well, yeah, anybody. Anybody who just thinks the leader is right all the time. Um, and so anytime you see a banned book probably a smart move to read that book right right it's kind of like the recent attack on uh salman rushdie uh there's a reason why he's had a hit hit on him for 40 years it's because he wrote something provocative and unpleasant to a certain faction globally right and I've never read it myself, to be honest with you. So, Animal Farm, such an interesting book. Everybody should go out and read it if you have not done so. And if you have not done so for years, you should do so now because it's more prescient than ever. And I won't make it political as far as one political party uh, being more like certain animals than the other. In well, I think opinion. it's I think it's more the ruling class versus everybody else. It is. I was going to say that it's more uh it's more it's kind of like Snowball and Napoleon. They were in cahoots together until Napoleon kicked them out of the club. They were working together and all their nefarious bullshit. That's where the milk comes in. They were both stealing the milk. They were both perpetuating the initial inequality amongst the animals. Just happens to be that Napoleon kicked Snowball out and made him the scapegoat. Yeah, um, and I think and I think Snowball probably had some guilt about it. Maybe, 
not that that made it right, but I think that, you know, and, and we said this before, is like Snowball was naive and never thought Napoleon would turn on him. Right. But Snowball so, was also a collaborator. Well, he was a collaborator, but I don't, I think he felt maybe guilty about it. He was probably one of those collaborators that was like, but why shouldn't we have all the milk? But I still feel guilty about it. And Napoleon was like, well, you're weak then. You know, I mean, that's some of the back, the behind the scenes stuff that, uh, you know, George Orwell never wrote about, but it's just there to imply or there to, you know, chew on. Oh, it's very, like I say, layered, very, too complex to talk about in a podcast. For sure. <laughs> well, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, we can, we can, we can, well, yeah, we, we can touch on, you know, the major themes and some of the uh, subtleties that we picked up on. But uh, it's really one of those ones that you got to read uh, for yourself and pick up on some of that stuff yourself. Because everybody's going to view it a little bit differently. Oh, for sure. Very good. Like I was saying, everybody should go out and get it. If you haven't read it, read it. And if you read it a long time ago, read it again. <laughs> Or listen to it. It's free on Audible. Okay, yeah. So, and it's uh, ninety-nine cents on Kindle. Oh, there we go. And the reader on the Audible book that I listened to was one of the voice actors in Oblivion. Oh, nice! It was kind of a blast from the past for me. (laughs) There you go. Uh, It's it's very it's very easily accessible. uh, Is what we should say. You can go buy it at a used bookstore. I'm sure most of these bookstores have multiple copies of it. I know the used bookstore I went to had, I don't know, four or five copies, uh, a couple different editions. So it's not out of the realm of of acquiring. No, no. It's not an obscure novel. No. So Yeah, boxers, that's who they want you to be. They want you to say the leader is right. And all I need to do to make the world better is to work harder for the leader. Yes. Uh, and, speaking uh, about working harder for the leader, uh, there's this new, I don't know if it's cultural phenomenon or countercultural phenomenon. It's really not a phenomenon and it's really not that big of a thing. But it also is, which is weird. So... There's this whole thing called quiet quitting. I have heard of that. Yes. Okay. Apparently. And so basically it's, you will clock in, you will do your job and you will clock out. And that's the end of it. You're not going to go work extra hours. You're not going to kill yourself to try and do extra work for your employer, which, you know, thinking about it, that should never be a thing. Like, we don't live to work. You're supposed to work to live. Um, But apparently, like, a lot of employers are getting butthurt about their employees not going above and beyond when they're not paying them above and beyond. You know what I mean? So, Well, it's um, being a Benjamin. It's not being a boxer. Well, yes. Precisely. And And that's the whole point. It's like... And, and, and you've been saying it this whole episode is Animal Farm is more relevant now, maybe, even than it was when it was written. Um, 
But you shouldn't kill yourself for your job. No. Like, they you, don't care about you, really. They don't care about you. Everybody is replaceable. No one individual is integral to the machine. And the machine doesn't care about you. Because if no. you leave tomorrow, in a few days' time, somebody else will be in your place. Yes. And also, the machine is hungry. It's always hungry. It will take everything you give and more. Absolutely. Unless you draw your boundaries. Absolutely. And it might have personal consequences with your boss and your coworkers, depending on their attitudes. But they're not your family, and they're not your friends. So that is just the way that it is. So that was one thing I liked, too, is that Benjamin, being the donkey, who was there longer than anybody else, right? Didn't change the way he did things, and he didn't get involved with any of the goings-on, largely. Other than he was friends with Boxer to the very end, and he tried to inform the animals that Boxer was getting sent to the glue factory. (laughs) Well, if you remember, the powers that be said it was just an old cart, and they hadn't repainted the name. They hadn't repainted the name, and everybody believed it. Other than Benjamin, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in life, be a Benjamin because everybody's trying to take advantage of you. Yes, they are. No matter what station or income you're at, there's somebody somewhere trying to take advantage of you and probably succeeding. And that is true. At least in my life, it's true. Yes. So, unless you're the one taking advantage of you're being taken advantage of by somebody else. Yes. But then you're also probably a pig walking on two legs. So, right. Exactly. So where are you at with your cigar, dude? Uh, that's it, man. Right on. We, uh, got another one for the record books. We do. Uh, and that's animal farm. So check it out. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the cigar? I liked it. It was, uh, consistent all the way through. Uh, nothing overly, you know, special, but nothing overly not special. It's a good stick for a conversation. Yeah, good stick. Uh, I'd say if you want, you know, it's long enough. Yeah, if you want something darker, uh, do this one. If you want something a little lighter, do the Macanudo. I would tend to agree. I'd say they're, they're pretty comparable. You know, they're, uh, both very consistent, very stable all the way through. Uh, depending on your taste taste preferences. Yes, sir. Well, everybody, be safe and have fun. And be a Benjamin. <laughs>